Welcome to the Heartbreak Kids Podcast, where we explore what connects us all in our yoga practice and in our lives. This is where I talk to people about their stories, who they are, what they've been through, and where they're going. And in this podcast, that's what we explore. I believe deep down inside, we're all connected, which explains why we bring ourselves to the top of our mat every day. Welcome to the Heartbreak Kids. Welcome to the next edition of the Heartbreak Kids. I'm here with Santina Jardina Chard. And I'm having her on the podcast because I've been admiring her story and her teaching for really a long time. We've only met one time in Mysore. And the cool thing is, is I've, I've watched her teach workshops and I've, I've seen some of her practice. It's beautiful, uh, but she's got a, a, a story to tell. And so, Santina, thank you so much for being on the show today. Oh, Taylor, I'm already crying. Doesn't take, <laughs> it doesn't take much for me to cry. I feel, oh, yeah, I feel I'm awakened just by the introduction. Thank you. Well, I, just for the listeners, it only took me like three times to say her name correctly, uh, just being real on here. Um <laughs> I just, you know, I, I just know her by Santina, and I don't think there's anyone else I've heard that name before. And so any anytime anyone says Santina, I know who, exactly who they're talking about. Um, and so, yeah, so I'm, I'm just really grateful to have you on the show. And I always like to start with a little bit of information about background stuff. Um, and so tell us, like, who Santina was before she showed up for yoga. I just got goosebumps then <laughs> when I thought back to that it was like oh no well before I actually engaged in the Ashtanga system in the Ashtanga method I was a heroin addict I was a prostitute heroin addict um in it's in I wasn't in the fullness of that when I actually started Ashtanga yoga but I was still mm-hmm. very much sure. taking a lot of drugs on the weekend you know, I wasn't I wasn't shooting up heroin anymore. I was on the methadone program, but I was very much still shooting up speed and taking cocaine and you know smoking lots of dope. And I'd, I'd met my husband, so I'd been with my husband almost three years before that. But I was still running around being a an addict, being an addict, and being um, deeply, deeply disconnected from life and myself and existence, you know, just everything, still running, running, running. And then when I found Ashtanga Yoga, I was, well, at the point at which I found Ashtanga Yoga, I was actually, I wasn't clean off the drugs, but I was clean off the methadone. So I decided to finish my, because I was in doing a law degree at the time, I decided to move from Melbourne to Queensland where I live now on the Gold Coast and so move away from my hometown and be with my husband and finish my law degree and just I get goosebumps when I tell this story because it's so far from who I am now yet so 
very real in the present moment as I recount it. Um, I decided, yeah, like sure. it's like, oh, oh, my whole body's shaking. Um, uh, so I decided to finish my 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 law degree, and I've been running and boxing and lifting weights and everything to try and in some way clean myself up more and empower myself and get stronger in myself and and yet there was still there was still something amiss something amiss. yeah yeah tell, tell me how did you feel about yourself you know being a prostitute being a drug drug user like tell me how you i mean Tell me, like, the mind state that you had, like, during that period of time. So you, you're saying, like, my state of awareness and my state of consciousness or just my complete numbness or all of it? I mean, yeah, I mean, all of it, really. I mean, I want to know, like, how you were as a person, even though that you were drinking and using and doing things that you didn't think were okay. Well, it's interesting because... Like, as a person, as a person, I was still, like, my whole life since I was a kid, I've been a very, you know, like, I'd always look after the underdog, the kid in the room, the kid at school that always got smashed up because they'd pee their pants or they were totally dumb, I'd go out and look after them. I've always been that one that's looked after the, the, the underdog. So as a junkie, I wasn't. Put it this way, I'd rather rip off my mum and dad than rip off someone else. That's how I just couldn't, I'd rather rip off my own family than rip off someone else because somehow I knew that my family would always look after me. But I was a manipulative little shit still. On every level I was manipulative. And there was so much self-hatred, so much self-hatred. And why did why did you hate yourself so much? Is it because of your actions and your choices of what you were doing? Um, I think I think of just a deep sense of unworthiness, deep sense of mm. yeah, not not good enough, not smart enough, not capable. All of those old childhood wounds. That are still with me now, Taylor. I mean, which what traumas are you still dealing with today that happened in your childhood? Um, well, anorexia, bulimia, unworthiness, self hatred. Self, you know, like I still wake up in the morning, like I still wake up every morning with an overriding sense of deep self hatred. And if it wasn't for the practice. I've been there before, for sure. Yeah, well, if it wasn't for that, that the practice that every morning I have to make a spiritual decision, it's a spiritual decision to get on my mat, to re-baptize myself every morning. And if I didn't have that, that point of contact, that point, that locus of contact with myself and the practice, I, I would be dead. And you know, wow. like even now, there's points. It's like it's not, it's not like I'm healed. 
Taylor. Sometimes that de- that deep, dense, rooted part of of self hatred hijacks me at any point in time, and I have to really work so so tenderly and so lovingly with myself and with those moments inside of myself to surpass that feeling and the practice allows that but it's not just the practice also gestalt has helped me a lot with that as well Mm. it's really bringing that into contact yeah did um are you part of a 12-step program or no no i've I've never done the 12-step program i've had lots of invitations yeah but something never something never really called me to even go to a meeting because for me the gestalt method that one-on-one contact with someone to to bring into awareness all of those dispossessed painful highly charged parts of myself in relationship with one person over a long period of time has really allowed me to make a fuller meaning of, of who I am that's amazing. And also, you know, the thing is, it's like this, Taylor. All of those parts of myself, I have learned to spiritualize, to not see them as pathology. That's so good. To see them as holy shit. And sorry if I swear, I swear a lot. Holy fuck. These are human. These are real. I don't need to make any any kind of... De- demoralization of them or to try to get rid of, rid of them. I need to bring them into contact and really somehow inside of myself be so empathetic and so understanding towards them that I can create something inside of myself which invigorates the other, which galvanizes something new in someone else's mind. Because if I can't do that, I'm 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 in self destruction, Taylor. And you know, like that's that's what I've learned about addiction. One thing that I've learned about addiction is that it's really this creative, animating force within me that if I don't express, gets turned back in on myself because I can't let it out, and I go into addiction because I don't know how to hold it in. And addiction. Yeah whether it's substance abuse or whether it's anorexia, bulimia, holds that energy inside of me. And the practice and gestalt has allowed me to untangle and unblock that energy. I mean, it feels like that's exactly what it's done for me too. You know, like uh, the practice has brought me to this place where like I can see all of these different patterns that are happening and then I can, I have choice today where I didn't have choice when I was first getting started, you know, or first getting started in recovery. Like it was all about action where like when I was in addiction, I, I didn't have any choice at all. Like I just kept on expressing, you know, like my trauma through drug use. Yeah. And so that, it, uh, so I, you're speaking my language for sure. Yeah. So how did you find an Ashtanga class? Yeah, well, I started talking to you about that and then I got excited. So I was finishing my law degree in about an hour away from here, a place called Brisbane at the university. And like I said, I was boxing and running and doing lots of things to try and clean up my act. And at the gym there was um, this sign that said Ashtanga Yoga. 
Ah. I'd never heard of any. I'd never heard of it ever before in my life. And I'd never really done yoga before. I think I'd done one Iyengar class back when I was like 17 or something, when I was at university a long time ago. Wow. wow. And, uh, sorry? I, I said, wow, that's a long time ago. Yeah, it's a long time ago. <laughs> long, long time ago. And so now, yeah, uh, it was a long time ago. And so I stumbled into this class. I'm going to try this. I'm going to try this class. And the teacher was Jean Byrne, Dr. Jean Byrne. Now she's in WA in Perth, still teaching still highly regarded. She was pretty much the first person that brought me into contact with Ashtanga Yoga. So I stumbled into the class and holy fuck. It was just the most, it was like someone had put a spark plug up my ass because it just, (laughs) (laughs) it was just like it just fucking blew everything out. Everything, 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 everything. Like I walked, like I had to get the train about an hour to go home. And I walked into the house and like, you know, I've been off, I've been off the methadone, but I, you know, we were still taking drugs on the weekend, me and my husband. Anyway, I, I, I walked in the house and I stunk, like, because I was so toxic with drugs. But this practice had just like totally wrung out so much, so much debris in the system. And my and my eyes, the, the dilation of my eyes, it was like I'd just taken LSD. You know, like I walked in and I was just so alive. And my husband said, no, what the fuck have you taken? You've been so good and now you, oh, you just fucked it up again because he thought I was on something, like I was that awake. Wow. And that was it, Taylor. Like from then... Like I, I pretty much, pretty much left that university within three months because I'd finished my degree, and I started doing some classes here on the Gold Coast. And one teacher looked at me one day. She didn't know me very well, but she said to me, "You need to go and see this man, Mark Togni. Just go and see him. He can help you." And so I went down to his class, his his Mysore classes. This is about in 2014, um, 2004, sorry, and he, he, he's just such, he's a Zen monk and a Mysore teacher, a Shtanga teacher. He, wow. I walked in and he looked at me and I was a fucking mess, Taylor. I was messy, messy because I was still on drugs a lot, so many drugs. And um, he looked at me with his just, with just sincerity and he looked at me and he went, Come in, come on, I can help you. And that was wow. six days. That's a week. crazy. Yeah, for six days a week for the rest of till I'm talking to you now. That's it, you know. Yeah, and so like, I mean, that was 2004. And so, have you been drug free since 2004? I mean, did you stop oh, using the drugs? No, 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 no. Like since 2004, that's when I started the Ashtanga practice and then it was a good year that I was still being a mess on the weekends. You know, all week I'd be I'd be clean. No, I didn't take heroin. Heroin was finished. But um, I would still take a lot of cocaine and ecstasy and we'd go to dance parties and I'd still smoke a shitload of dope every day. Every day I'd smoke dope. And then my teacher, he loved me so much. He believed in me so much. He just he just amped it up. 
You went, okay, for you to clean yourself up, I'm just going to have to amp up your practice. So within four years, he just continued to give me postures, 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 and he pushed me through the whole through lovingly, tenderly, through the whole up to the end of four years. And it cleaned me up. Wow. It cleaned me up. Like for the most part, I don't remember because I was so high on, on Ashtanga, so high on whatever Ashtanga does that blows your circuitry. But it cleaned me up. And, and in other ways it was not good for me, but that's another story. Don't <laughs> <laughs> be fucking stories, Taylor. That's another story. But in, me, in, yeah. terms, of, in terms of addiction, it, clean, it cleaned out the chemical abuse, Right. But it didn't right. finish the anorexia or the bulimia. Uh-uh. I think it made it worse in a way. How so? Um, because I was so focused on postures and so focused on on performing, right, that I would use, I wouldn't eat properly, I'd vomit because it was like I was overloaded, Taylor. I was overloaded on whatever happens inside from the practice. And I think that if I didn't have Gestalt there to just just pick up those frayed pieces of myself, you know, it could have done a lot of damage. I think I think it's I personally believe everyone needs to take it slow and just get postures slowly. But for me to get me off the insanity, it blew it out, and so it did work. But after that, like. With, I was with him for 10 years and then when I, as soon as I went to Mysore, you know, like Shadar just pulled me straight back and just said, fuck, one year, you do primary one year, one whole year. I don't want to see nothing but primary. And so I did. And it was good for you? Yeah, it calmed everything down, calmed everything down. And it gave me another vista, you know, like I could see something different. But yeah. what Mark Togni did worked. It worked because I stopped taking drugs. Yeah. If you met another person that was very similar to you, would you teach them in the same way as what Mark taught you? Oh, that's I don't know, Taylor. That's a that's a that's a it's a hard question because there's so much going on, brother. You know, like you've got to look, when a student comes in, I have to see, I have to see them move, I have to see how they make, make sense of awareness, I have to see how when I go into relationship with them, how attuned are they to me, right? And do they really need to blow themselves out like that? But were you attuned, were you very attuned to Mark? Very. Hmm. Okay. More, he, he, I think, like, I think he was able to give, he wanted me to be more intimate with him, but I couldn't do that. I couldn't pull back the shield just because I couldn't. I didn't know how to. I didn't know how to do that. And, I, and there's yeah. a part of me that didn't feel safe to do that. Yeah, I mean, that's a real thing. It's like, you know, I feel like the first two teachers that I met, I was not comfortable with sharing who I was or even having a relationship with them, that's for sure. Yeah, like I think that takes time, Taylor. 
you know, and I think that the, the mind is so constituted and the heart is so armoured that, it, it, I mean, this, and the psyche, the psyche, my psyche, I don't know how everyone else is, my psyche to let go has to feel really safe and that comes from the depth of the consciousness of the person that I'm sitting with. Whoever I'm with, my psyche, it knows whether it feels safe or not. Yeah. And I can't lie to that shit, Taylor. There's nothing I can do there. It's just it either feels safe or it doesn't. And when you have suffered so much trauma, you have to trust that. You can't push that shit. Yeah, I mean, I've experienced a lot of trauma myself, you know. I, but what I've what I've come to realize in sobriety is really that I caused most of my trauma. You know, there was like a certain part of my story where like I felt like I was responsible for all of the chaos that was happening. Do you feel the same way? Oh, of course, Taylor. I'm responsible for it all. All of it. There's no, and like that's what I love about the practice and that's what I love about Gestalt. You have to make a spiritual decision to take responsibility for who you are. And like I asked my husband this yesterday, I said, babes, one thing about yoga, what has yoga, what do you believe, how do you believe yoga's changed me? And he said, you just decided to stop blaming the world. Stop fucking blaming everyone for your bullshit. And look at your manipulation (laughs) and look at your resentments and look at your hostilities and spiritualize them and don't see them as bad See them as your ignorance. See them at your in, as your inability to have the tools to self-support yourself and now find a way to transcend that. Find a way to surpass that. And that's what I love about the practice because every fucking morning if you fall in love with it, you have to do that. And so, uh, yeah, I'm a great Sorry, point. I get excited, Taylor. I get excited. No, it's okay. You're, you're, we're basically the same person. Um, I just do it from, uh, from my perspective and you're doing it from yours. I get it. Um, but why do you think the practice worked for you? Like, why do you think that, you know, like it helped you clean up? Why do you think it helped you, you know, bring this awareness that you're talking about? Well, Somehow, somehow the practice, it, 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 well, there's words, there's no real words for it, right? Because it, it awakens, it, it attunes you to that which is, in, which is numinous inside of you. It attunes you to that which you don't, you, you don't even know. It's mystical. It's magical. It's, it's something that is, greater than you it attunes you to that part of yourself that you've got to go beyond yourself you've got to go beyond the story it it, it, it attunes you into something that abides in you that isn't even your body that isn't your mind that isn't all of your emotions there's something else there, and I don't know whether it just comes through the breathing, right, or mm-hmm. I don't know. 
I don't know. Like I've tried to not do it, and man, it's not a pretty sight, Taylor. <laughs> I've tried to not do it too. It lasts about a lasts about a day. Yeah, I said fuck it. I'm not doing it. Over it. And it's just, I, I get really depressed, Taylor. I get really depressed. Yeah. Was there, uh, I mean, just to maybe get a little bit more background, was there any addiction or any of this kind of stuff that was happening in your family as well? No, my, my parents, no, my parents are just solid, good stock Italian people that love eating and, you know, hard work on the farm. So no addiction. No, like my parents were not, you know, alcohol alcoholics or drug addicts or, or anything like that. There was no. a lot of trauma in my family. There's a lot of suffering in my family through early deaths and another story, so many fucking stories. And my grandmother, my grandmother basically grew me up because my mother and father mm. were always working out on the farm. Um, but she yeah. had a lot of trauma. So it's kind of like ancestral trauma downloaded inside of me. Yeah. Yeah, that's a that's a thing for sure. And so, you know, you show up, you start doing this practice, you get moved through really fast. And, you know, you you spend all of this time like practicing and cultivating like the asana aspect. When did it switch to a spiritual practice for you? Just trying to I'm just trying to think about well, you know, like, okay, so this is interesting because I never really thought about this question because even though I was doing fourth series and I was really addicted to postures, fuck Taylor, I was still, you know, very much digesting. It was very much a point every morning of going down to the Mysore room, a point of digesting childhood trauma. So I was, even though I was doing, you know, third series and fourth series, man, I was crying a lot in there, in that Mysore room, crying and 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 almost like having a few convulsive fits. Like I was in it, right? And in those moments, that's a spiritual practice because you're up against yourself. You're up against those very tumultuous emotions, fury, anger, envy, jealousy. All of it there on that mat. And so then I'd take it to my gestalt therapist and she'd help me make meaning of it. And so in that it started to become a very spiritual practice. In in that alchemy, things started to happen. But in terms of me really starting to make meaning about my life, I think that really only started to happen... Maybe about six or seven years ago. You know, a lot of it started to happen when I started to travel and teach. Because I really had why to. Did... Yeah. Why? Because well, one yeah. incident. One incident when I when I was I I was invited to go to Argentina, Patagonia, and look, I remember this so clearly. I got off the plane. I travelled so far, like it's a fucking long way from where I live. And I travelled so far and everyone, my mother, everyone said, no, you don't know, Jermaine, you don't know any of these people, you're going so far, like tried to talk me out of it. But there was something inside of me 
there was a deep locus of knowing that I had to go there. So I went, long, long story, but got off the plane in this little plant place called Barilachi, right in the deep heart of Patagonia. Oh, my God, I've got full goosebumps as I tell the story. I got off the plane and the guy, Jermaine, Jermaine Garrow, he was, he was there to pick me up. I looked at him and his whole face was so similar to the man, to the boyfriend that I did almost 11 years of heroin addiction with him that basically destroyed my life. And here this man, Jermaine Garrow, looked exactly the same as him in every single way but his eyes were just love, just just deep, deep compassion for me. And I went, holy fuck, what's going on here? So then I started to look at how all the pieces of the puzzle of my life started to make sense. And everyone that I started to come into contact with, I started to see the players, the characters in the play that are all reflecting back parts of myself so then the whole practice started to become a spiritual practice everything is like making sense to me and every time wow, that's I get awesome. on the mat, i'll just say this every time i get on the mat i've got my journal there writing down and documenting everything that's coming up so i'm inside i'm not just vlogging myself through third series i'm not just wanting to get all the postures of fourth series. This is a point of wanting to learn who I am, to bring meaning to my existence. You think you've found that meaning? You know, like I've, I've asked myself this, this question many times. Now, meaning in my life is about pursuing the questions that I had as a child, right? That's how I find meaning. Who am I? What am I called to do? Why Why do I have so much fear in myself, fear, right? What What animates my life? What, you know, and also meaning comes from my fucking lethargy, Taylor. The laziness. Why am I so lazy? Like, why can't I, mean, I- I think a lot of people wouldn't look at you. Sorry, sorry. I just think a lot of people would look at you and say that you're not lazy. You know, like they've seen your practice. They've seen the work that you've done. I mean, I. why do you think your laziness has taught you that lesson? I think that, I think, like, okay, so what the way, the way I see it is like there's a part of me inside right there's a part of me inside that still want this there's an animating force inside of me that still wants to come out right that still has a lot to do in the world in the world and there's there's a part of my psyche that is sleeping that's lazy that doesn't want to work inside to to awaken that other part of myself, that animating force. Now, you can look at postures and see that as not laziness. That's just action on the outside, Taylor. That's action on the outside. I'm talking about the lethargy that comes from the sleeping soul, the soul inside, the soul part of me inside 
that hasn't been able to find that consciousness and that ability to awaken something really, really, really strong inside. Now, I don't know whether I ever fucking get there in this life, but I'm going to die trying, Taylor. Wow. And I think that's what, that's what keeps me clean. That's what keeps me clean because there is no chemical. I'm not going to let any chemical or anything from the overculture in which we live in numb that part of me anymore, Taylor. I'm not going to fucking let anyone numb me out anymore. I'd rather die on the floor looking for it inside. Sorry, that was excitable. No, it's uh, <laughs> I'm, 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 I dig it for sure. I mean, I feel the same way. Like, you know, you say a lot of the – you're saying it in your way, but it's a lot of the things that I, I say. So you know, a lot of things that I, I – I mean, I – I sound to the normal person somewhat crazy when I talk about Ashtanga yoga. It's like, uh, it, like it's an everyday hustle, like bring your ass to class. Like, you know, like you either grow or you die, like those kind of things, which are the exact same things as what, you know, what I say, but you're saying the exact same thing, you know? And so I, I get it, but I'm really interested to know because like, I just learned this about you that you do your journaling and, You've had major breakthroughs on your mat. I'm really interested to know what's the biggest thing that you've worked through on your mat. Like if you look back at your practices and you say like this one practice, I processed this thing. What is it? What did you process? Resentment, resentments and self-hatred. And so you feel like a, that there's no longer self-hatred inside of you? Oh, no, there is. But it's just I'm just I'm just able to outstrip it, right? I can see now, I can distinguish now that that self-hatred is not me. And it's tenuous, but, you know, like I said, like I can fall into it. I can be walking from my unit to the beach and all of a sudden, out of nowhere, I'm hijacked. And, I, and like, I'm like, whew, just from nowhere, I just get smashed in the head. Like a frisbee just smashed me in the head and just threw me off. And so for three or four minutes, I'm just working through some self-hatred. But on the mat, it's resentments. Resentments. Things that I expected mm. of life and things that I expected of people that I couldn't give myself that I'm working through to make sense of. And so I have to revisit those times and almost recapture those times to recapitulate them and make another meaning and see deeply inside of myself what manipulations in that moment that I expected of life or of someone. Because that's what binds up my energy, Taylor. Yeah, same. Same thing here, for sure. So it's, you can call it resentments or you can call it unfinished business. Yeah. So a, a little bit before the podcast, you were talking about teaching and how you were talking about how you were not feeling authentic and, and that you were processing a lot. Can you talk a little bit about why you started teaching 
and where you're at with it now? Well, I think I, I, if I look back, I wanted to teach because I was so, I was so, my teachers, Nikki Knopf and Mark, and Mark Togni, they gave me a, a gift. They, the practice is a gift and they gave me a gift from their heart and from their consciousness and from the, their deep work inside of themselves and I felt that. They believed in me. My husband and those two people have believed in me more than uh, my nonna, have believed in me more than any other fucking people on the planet, right? They believed in me. And it completely, completely shifted the whole latticework of my consciousness. And so there's a part of me that wanted, that wishes, that can, that will provide that for someone else. But you've got to get out of your fucking way to do that, right? Yeah. To do that sure. lovingly without manipulation, without wish wish or want, you've got to get out of your way. And prior to this conversation, prior to this, I said to you, I'm not teaching because there's part of myself that isn't finished. And until that part finishes, I can't get clear on people. This is the anorexia bulimia. I've been teaching being fully anorexic and bulimic even though it's not playing out in action, it's still part of my consciousness, Taylor. I know. I can't fucking lie to yourself. You know. And so that that part of myself has to be bright, bright here with myself, in deep contact, in deep, empathetic, compassionate contact with myself. And then, I mean, I've been teaching online, but I mean really, really giving myself to the moment without that entanglement in the background. Yeah. How how are you going to process that stuff so you can be present and clear? Uh, it's a process, Taylor. How do I process it? I I need to bring it in the moment. I need to bring it into the moment with me now and see how this part of myself, this age regression, a three-year-old, a seven-year-old, a 14-year-old, an 18-year-old are in the moment stopping me, right, this emotional pattern is stopping me being in full relationship with this student, with my husband, with you, with whoever. So that's being very aware, very aware. I'm not fully open here. There's a part of me that's blocked. Wow. That's some self-awareness for sure. Yeah, it is some self-awareness. And that's what I love about the show. It's like it shows you your growth disorders where you don't want the edges in which you don't want to go to. And there's no judgment. There's no pathology. It's just, okay, I'm not, I'm not ready to do this. But let me bring into contact and slowly start to pierce and dismantle this shield. And do you and feel like you've pierced it a little bit? Sorry? Do you feel like you've pierced it a little bit? Yeah. Yeah, all the time. Because it's like this, Taylor, what else have you got? Well, I don't know about everyone else, but I don't have anything else. I've done all the drugs. I've eaten all the food. I've had all the sex. I've had money. It doesn't make me fucking happy. It doesn't give me what anything. Make, what makes you happy today then? Um, you know, my inner work, Taylor. My inner work, the, the work that I do inside of myself, 
Um, being with my husband, being with my husband makes me really happy. Swimming in cold water makes me really happy. Being with my family and, and looking at a student, looking at a student and offering something of myself to pierce through their psyche or unlock a part of their psyche, not because I'm the fucking master, just because I do my work. And they're like, oh, my God, you're awake. And part of them wakes up. That makes me happy, Taylor. So you're going to continue to do it? Yeah. Even even though that you feel like you're not clear in some aspects of your life and you can't fully pre- fully be there? Well, I think in you I think for me, I need to continue to do that because it it brings into more figure and form. If I just pull away completely, then I'm just going to sit on a mountain. That's not fucking life. I still need to teach to bring into figure and form that those parts of myself that are still shielded. If if I explain that correctly. Yeah. So yeah, I'm still going to do it, but there's lots of other projects that I want to do. There's lots like of Like what? Uh, like I'd like to make a movie one day. I really like to make about a your movie. about your life or yeah, about about my life and about about yeah, about my life. I like to rebaptize my life and to you know you should write a book. Write a book, yeah, I know, but I'm not. I'm not. I need someone to sit with Taylor to do that. I, I had someone to sit with me. <laughs> when you when you wrote your book, did you sit with someone? How did it happen? Yeah, I mean, I sat with someone and we processed the whole thing and recorded it, put it down on paper, edited it. I mean, we it was a long process, but it wasn't uh, that I sat down and wrote the whole thing. And it wasn't that she wrote the whole thing. It was, it was all done verbally. That's why a lot of the book, uh, if you've read it or if you ever choose to read it, it feels like a little like conver- It feels like someone's telling story, like a story, um, conversational wise. Yeah, I've read it. I read it back in I think it was like um, 2015 or 16, and I loved it. Yeah. Yeah. I yeah. Like- I mean, there's a lot of similarities in our stories. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think that like, um, I think that I don't know, I don't want to ask you a question here. Was it, was it, was retelling the stories like you're singing over your bones? Was it healing for you? (laughs) Everyone asked that, you know, and there is, uh, it, it was healing to a certain aspect, but, uh, the, the thing that brought me the most is the amount of people that I was able to help as a result of it. That's, that was the powerful thing. I, that's what changed me when I, when I really feel, felt like I had found my pa- uh, passion and my purpose and my purpose was to help other people, um, regardless of whether they were alcoholics or, or not. There was this overwhelming sense that, um, what I did here was important for other people to hear. That's that's what we're all of a sudden like. That's when I began to heal. So, what was the message? What was in a, in a, in a, like a very what was the message that that would that would invigorate or galvanize something new in someone's mind? You mean from the book? 
Yeah, from well, from you, from your existence, from the book, from from it all. Oh man. Shit. Um, you have to work, Taylor. Yeah. Work for me, brother. Yeah, seriously, you're making me work here. Yeah. I, you know, I think that the overwhelming thing was that there is this work to be done as humans. And that work is to become the best human being that you can possibly be, to find your passion and your purpose and to find the thing that you're supposed to be doing, find your Dharma. And through the tool of yoga, Ashtanga yoga, I've been able to find mine. And if you committed yourself to a spiritual practice, uh, Ashtanga yoga, and working on yourself, you can achieve anything that you set your mind to and find that passion and purpose for you. That's, that's what it is for me. That's the message. That's always been my message, to be honest yeah, with you. Bingo. That's bingo, right? Yeah. Yeah, it's like because when I teach, it's like about giving people a tool. And it's about using that tool to be a better whatever you want to be, husband, um, you know, father, teacher, professor, uh, businessman, whatever it is, you know. And so, yeah, it's been about all of that. Thank you. It's good stuff. It's the, it's the work of my life. And that's why you should write a book, too, because then you can, you can share your message with people. Because it sounds that's, like you got a lot to share. What I love about what you just said there is that it's like, it's like there's work to be done, man. Don't fucking fall asleep. Don't fall asleep. Don't let the past and the current overculture and the pressure of the overculture let you fall asleep. That's right. what I love about what you just said. It's like there's there's like there's work to be done inside. And yeah, the tool is the practice. Yeah. It's been one of the greatest gifts I've ever gotten. Yeah, it's a gift. Yeah, it's truly amazing. And it's so fucking hard, right? <laughs> it's so, it's so hard. hard. It's so fucking hard. It's so fucking hard. Don't oh, I just love it? I just love it when you come when you're just up against yourself. And you've got to find a way through. And I love that about Ashtanga Yoga. You have to, if you're in love and it's a call to adventure for you, you have to find a way through. And it's just so fucking hard. I love it. I love it because it blows you out. Yeah, but that's also the reason why people hate it too. Yeah, but it's always love-hate. <laughs> Yeah, that's true. That's true. Hate relationships like when you get married, you love them and you hate them. Yeah, and it's like a relationship with yourself, you know. You you love yourself (laughs) and you hate yourself. It's like I was thinking about this. What I was going to say to you today, and I was thinking about okay, well, what does the practice do for me? It's like the practice brings me closer to Santina. Who the fuck Santina? I don't know. She was a saint. She was a little saint. That's what Santina means, a little saint, for her grandmother and her family. 
She did all the good things. And then she was a sinner. Well, shut up, lots of heroin. She did some really bad shit to people. And now she just wants to sanctify her life and purify things and purify her heart so she can be an example of, of who you can become and what you can be when you decide, when you make the spiritual decision to turn up for yourself in your life. Yeah. That's amazing. You know, um, I want to thank you for being on the show and sharing your heart and your soul. And, and also thanks for teaching me something today. I, I appreciate that. Well, tell you know, me, I, Taylor. Tell me. I mean, you know, just what you're talking about with the clarity and working on yourself and that you're struggling to get clear on things and, and so that you feel like you can't fully be present. I mean, I feel that cloudiness from time to time as well. And so it's just really nice to hear someone else say that. And so, uh, because I, you know, just like any person, we're somewhat selfish in nature. We think we're the only ones that are experiencing this, this thing. You know, and just in today's age, I, I feel like that there's cloudiness. There's cloudiness with social media. There's cloudiness with COVID. There's cloudiness with, you know, abuse. There's, I mean, all of this cloudiness and stuff that is showing up. And the, the real work is what I heard you say. The real work is just to do it for yourself. And, and once you do it for yourself, then you're able to be fully present. And I needed to hear that today. And that's what you taught me. So oh, you're a beautiful man, Taylor. Yeah, brother. You know, like you got to be on your knees, right? You're, you right. you got to be on your knees every day, on your knees, praying to fucking something inside of you to help your sorry ass because you can't do it on your own. You think you can, but you, you're gonna pull. It's gonna pull you up. It's gonna yeah. pull you up. Yeah, for sure. Well, thank you so much for sharing your heart and soul and. And I can't wait for people to hear this. This is going to be awesome. <laughs> Thanks. Thanks, Taylor. Hey, guys. Thanks for tuning in. If you want more information about Ashtanga Yoga, visit ashtangayogacolumbus.com. You can also check out my website, which is taylorhuntyoga.com. See you guys next time.